The following programming may contain viewpoints and opinions that do not necessarily reflect those of Listen Up Talk Radio. Welcome to realestatetorontoradio.com, the weekly show about buying and selling real estate in the greater Toronto area and sometimes beyond with Aura Ross of the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Group. 30 minutes of hot topics and indispensable advice from experienced professionals that work for you. Hello, welcome back to realestatetorontoradio.com. I'm Todd Miller, sitting across from me, Aura Ross. And uh, you've come up with some great stuff for this week, again. Again, well, a couple things. I mean, we are now officially in our spring market, even though it is not spring yet. But uh, Was there a flag raising or something? Here. Was there a flag yeah. raising or something I missed? Yeah, that's right. The, the market's here. What's interesting, of course, is we have very, very, very little inventory on the market. And we talk about this all the time. It's that supply and demand. So we're going to talk about how it's affecting our market locally. I'll also share with you a few things I'm learning as I'm looking for a little place in Halifax uh, because I have a son going to school there. So we've toyed with the idea of, hey, do we purchase a place? So just to give you a sense of what's happening even outside of Toronto and um, and a couple things even happening, you know, in the areas we've talked about before, you know, Port Perry, Coburg, just in that GTA area, Durham. What is going on around us? Because it doesn't feel like Toronto's in its own little bubble anymore. No, and it's funny because uh, I've been looking at investment properties as well. And I'm not looking where I live. I'm looking further afield as well because you want to pay as little as you can and get the most amount of house for your money. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So never stop. As stops. long as you've got people, you know, as long as there's people with jobs that will pay the rent. That's the tricky part. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, stay tuned. We're gonna. I'm. I'm having a tea. It is. Uh, it is not. And a I'm long drinking island. a water. It is not a Long Island iced tea, however much I wish it was. But we're gonna. We're gonna maybe bring That's a new feature to the show. show. Yeah, we're gonna bring another another new feature to the show, and we're gonna do shots. But anyways, let's take a short break. More real estatetorontoradio.com right around the corner. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property might be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. So it's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals like the Mulholland Ross team. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Keller Williams Referred Real Estate Team at 416-230-8500 or visit realestatetorontoradio.com. Whether you're making your first move or your 21st, the Mulholland Ross team offers over 30 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Tune in Sundays at 4 p.m. on Listen Up Talk Radio or Tuesdays and Fridays on Voices Radio, CKAV, to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Welcome back to the show. So what are we starting off with today? Well, you know, we talk about the supply and the inventory and demand all the time, and really... When we, you know, take away all the noise around it, it, it kind of comes down to supply and demand. So we we have a demand. Those interest rates are still low. 
They've crept up a little bit, but they're still really low and very little on the market. So to put it in perspective, in December, just last month, sales were up about 8% over December of 2015. Okay. Inventory was down 48%. Wow. From December 2015. So again, please make sure we're not comparing December to November. We're not comparing over a three or four week time frame. We're going December to December. So we're, we're literally looking at one year to one year. Um, inventory fell 48%. So what do you think happened to the prices from December 15 to December 16? I would think people would be in a stronger position to ask for more. Mm-hmm. There was nothing on the market. So yeah, if people wanted to buy, they had to pay. And we saw those prices go up 20% over that one year period. Wow. So, you know, when people say, oh, December's kind of not a great month, well, 20% over the previous year, and the previous year's December was a record December. So, you know, if, if, you, if you put your hand in a bowl and, and pull out any article in real estate, you're going to get a few different opinions um, about what they expect to happen this year. Um, one thing I know our, our real estate board, the Toronto Real Estate Board, is actually working with um, the Ontario government to, I think they're trying to figure out ways to speed up the ability for builders to get their homes built faster. So, and I don't mean as far as the bricks going on faster, but it's actually all the paperwork from mm. between purchasing the land to get digging. And I think the, you know, what what they're, what they're we're seeing is long pauses. Sometimes that pause can be three, five, ten years. Um, waiting for things to shift within the the areas to allow those buildings to go on and, and developers are being accused of hoarding land and some of them are stepping forward saying no we're not hoarding land we actually are just waiting to get our machines in there we don't have permission yet and so i know I, that's an interesting conversation yeah oh, absolutely and then i know with committee of adjustments builders and and you know i mean i'm not i'm not going off on builders but they always want to do more they want a few more feet here a little bit more width there so they're always putting in you know easements or, or um you know changes and they have You're to go right. to the committee of adjustments and then there's that whole process and then it goes to omb it's true so it might be that the builders themselves are causing these delays you're right if they're asking for more than what is actually allowed or what the zoning will allow they do have to get these variances so so that's an interesting um you know we'll, we'll see how that plays out i mean in the city of toronto look at the condos don't seem well actually a few have been delayed quite a bit but we're seeing them come up and they're selling and there aren't vacant empty units and if I were to look around sort of Midtown, Young and Eglinton, Young and St. Clair and do a big sweep and go, how many, you know, two bedroom condos are available right now? Believe it or not, it's not it's not dozens and hundreds. It's, it's just a few. And, and, you know, a couple of years ago, you and I were talking, there seemed to be a glut in inventory for condos and that sort of evaporated. Well, glut was the word, wasn't it? I mean, we were, uh, the, the everyone was concerned. Now, we didn't have the immigration, the amount of numbers coming in. Um, so, and we didn't have, I, here's the other big piece, is that we have now a group of people whose homes have gained equity, right? So you've had these people who 20, 30 years ago bought their homes because we weren't, the mindset back then, it was not flipping. It was buy and hold because our markets weren't moving very much from year to year, you know, two to 3%. Uh, it was it was normal, right? Right. So you've got these people that have held their properties for so long, and what they're doing is they're all going out and buying an investment property. So 
that just in created, you know, we always thought about how many people live in the city, but we forgot the piece about how many people will be buying a second and third and fourth property. Right. So now you add those into the equation, and that's just shifted everyone on their side. And and so, of course, I know what you're feeling out in Durham is huge price increases. I mean, what I saw a year ago that we could have bought in Oshawa, I can't, I can't touch it. I, I can't even get it in Curtis. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I think I'm going to Montreal if I have to buy those prices. Is Montreal now. part of Durham region? It may be one day. <laughs> I mean, why is that? Well, again, I think a lot of it is we've got our, our our young people who are trying to get into the market. They can't afford anything, so they're pushed out. Well, we hear that story all the time. I think the other piece of it is when I think about how many people I've met in the last, like, three years that have bought real estate in Kitchener, Durham, uh, north of Newmarket, and, and that whole area up there, Vaughan. I mean, think about Burlington, all of these areas, you guys are feeling the wealth that's being coming out of Toronto. Like we're busting at the seams here. We don't want to reinvest here. We can't afford it. We're investing in your in your neighborhoods. And you know what? We got into a bidding war. I may have mentioned this before. It was like, who would have seen it out here? And yet I know we had multiple offers. So those those city phenomena are moving further and further afield as people have to do so for a variety of reasons. Oh, absolutely. And I, I can't remember the last time I saw a place come up in Oshawa under 500000 that didn't have an offer date. Really? <clears throat> yeah. So the schwa, it's happening in the schwa. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's, uh, awesome. it's turning over. Yep. Yep. So so I think we have a lot of factors. It's not just how many people are moving into the city. It's how many people now are looking at real estate as where they want to put their money. So they're buying their second and third properties. And, and you know, I was thinking this morning, another reason, and again, this is my uh, personal observance. So this is what I've observed in my 29 years in the industry. So I don't have, you know, somebody tell, you know, there are, I don't have a sheet on this. But the other thing I'm thinking about was, you know, when I got in real estate 28 years ago and those interest rates were 12 to 14%, Real estate was only going up a couple percentage points a year if you were lucky, if we weren't in a downward motion. and But money in the bank, money in the bank in your savings account or in a bond was getting 6 to 8%. Right. So people weren't very quick to buy that second, third, fourth property. They were putting their money in the bank. That was where the, the instant you know return yeah. was and there was no risk. Oh, the banks, whatever vehicle, I guess most of them were guaranteed. Yeah, or the rates had just been high for so long. You just, it was great. I mean, I know when my father sold his business and retired, they were able to take the money and live off the interest rate for a few years until those interest rates started dropping. And so I, I, I think what's, you know, it's kind of happened right under our feet is that shift from just putting your money in bonds and banks, which of course today people say your money in the bank is just losing money and it's because we can't collect interest there, right? Yet our real estate market's going up 15 to 20% a year. I mean, that's amazing. And I don't mean to slag the banking industry, but when they run commercials saying high interest saving account and it's like 1%, you go, woo, I can retire I on that. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's not their, I no. won't even go there, but it's, it's, it's what the rates are, right? So I, they, there's, there's a big shift in mindset in, in, in everything. Uh, just those pieces 
um, alone. So yeah, that that was sort of our observation, and and we're watching it big time now. I would tell you that um, you know we have quite a few clients we've helped over our our thirty plus years as a team, and um, I would tell you that over half of them have full intention of purchasing an investment property in the next two years, either an investment property for themselves or helping their kids buy something of which would still be a bit of an investment for themselves. It's still equity. I mean, like you said, for their kids. So whether the kid's paying rent or paying you, you know, it's still, you have to look at it as money gained or money lost, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, We've got three good minutes times, left. Before, yeah, we've got about three minutes left before the break. So, following up on our theme of real estate uh, further afield, you, you've had some dealings in Halifax. I'm, I'm interested to, well, to I know. Ha- it. I, I haven't had any dealings. No yet. dealings. No dealings, and dealings. I decided no, but I decided to explore. You know, we have a son in school there, and I, I, I think he's going to be there for a few more years. So I thought, let's explore. Um, thinking Halifax, right? It's cheap, right? And yep. you can buy something, and it's probably cheaper than him paying what we're paying as far as uh, you know for him to stay in someone else's place. So interesting. They have seen a little boom over the last three years. Their prices have gone up. I just from my observations and a quick call with an agent, they've probably seen a good fifteen uh, percent, maybe even twenty in about a two-year period. Wow. However, they are seeing a softening. They are feeling a pullback. Hmm. And they started feeling their pullback in the fall of last year, just a slight one. Homes in Halifax, so this is really interesting for me. I'm just a, I'm just a consumer now. I'm not licensed in Halifax, and I really don't have access to all the information. So this guy is sharing it with me, but I'm, I'm just blown away when I see a condo on the market for 269 and it's on the market for 57 days. And, and they're saying that doesn't mean it's overpriced. That's just 57 days on the market. They're saying if it were 90 plus days, okay, maybe that would be an indication that it's overpriced. But their average time to sell is two months anyway or so. Ooh, interesting. So, yeah. And it wasn't that long ago when our average days were, you know, I, I remember when we were talking blown away that the average days had come down to under 30 days. Yeah. And that was only a few years ago. And now I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the 416 uh, area is sitting average days at, I'll double check it, but I think it's 11 or 14. (laughs) In and out in two weeks. That's amazing. Short-term relationships, sadly, because some people, you want their home on the market a little longer because they're so nice. (laughs) Well, you're you're certainly not in in the boat alone because uh, a good friend of mine um, whose son is going to Waterloo for university is doing the very same thinking. And he and I have talked about getting together on something, um, merely me as an investor slash property manager. And he looking at, well, I could pay $1,500 a month rent for him or... We could put it into a house, and he could live there and be the the on-site property manager, you know, and thinking about long-term. Yep. So good good plans anyways. Yep. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to realestatetorontoradio.com. We'll be right back after a short break.
Welcome back to the show. I'm Todd Miller, or Ross, on the other microphone. And uh, you found some an interesting article this week. You beat me to it. I did. I did. Um, I, I'm sure most many people caught it. It was about um, a little bit a play on the Golden Girls, for any of you who remember the show, about the um, widowed women who got together, bought a house together, and, and lived together um, through their senior years. And so there was an article about four women out in, I think, Port Perry bought a beautiful home, had it completely set up with even a basement in-law suite. So should they ever need full-time care, they could actually pitch and, and hire someone to live in with them. 3,400 square feet. So it's not, it's not tiny. It's not tiny, but it's not, you know, when you think it's not huge when you've got four adults which means chances are they might have kids, grandkids, you know, so you're going to, it's not like having two adults and two kids. So that's not bad. That's less than a thousand square foot a person. Now they didn't divide it into four apartments. It is shared living space. They each have their own bedroom. They share the kitchen. Um, I suggest you do it with a friend, <laughs> but, but these women were pretty bright. They, they were friends. Uh, when they put this idea together, but they did go to a lawyer because, of course, the obvious questions have to be answered ahead of time, not not when they show up later. And and those are things like what happens if someone passes away, you know, who takes their room, who gets their fourth of the house. So they worked out something there. And um, what happens if one of them ends up in a relationship again? You brought that up, Todd, that, yep. you know, do they move in? You know, so they, they worked out... I think everything I saw on their list, it looked like they had sort of pre-answered all their stuff. And of course, this article was shared on social media and I thought it was great and everyone was loving it and talking about how great it would be when they get old to do something like this. And my initial reaction is, why aren't the young people doing this? Now, you may have done this at another point in your life, did you not? Uh, I did not buy with a friend. I, I, I can tell you though, uh, when I was very young and I worked in a vet clinic, I worked with two other women and girls we're young and um one of them was pretty bright and she said you know what we should buy a piece of real estate and we actually i think we were like 20 and we called up the realtor and we met him at the subway station because we didn't have cars and um he drove us to the house it was on car law i'm i can kick myself 16 times for this one and i remember the three of us walked into the house and it was a little tight and a little cramped and messy and the stairs were steep and we looked at each other and went this is crazy um, at the time, it was $167,000. It would have cost us each, if you think about it, $60,000 cash to just own it. Right. But we could have also just financed $60,000 each, right? Yeah. And had this house. Instead, we looked at it. We looked at about four that were similar, and we kind of said, this is crazy, and these homes are in terrible condition. And we didn't have anyone advising us. And I would also tell you, the realtor who showed us, thought didn't take us seriously did not sit down at any time and go well let's just look at the numbers let's just look at the what ifs um you know and let's talk talk through this and see if we can make this work no one really you know it's just we were a couple kids he showed us some homes and he never called us again um but when i look back of course you know homes on car law now you know hitting two million plus you think wow Wow. So would it have been so bad to live in a house with two friends, of which we were doing at the time anyway? We all had roommates in our rentals. Um, 
would it have been so bad to to you know rough it a little bit paint fix it up and figure out a way even as we were maturing and moving out to keep it as an investment for the three of us yeah the, the interesting thing, I think I want, I'd love to touch on some of the things that they worked out as a, as a group in, in this particular scenario, because I think it's really important whether you're going to live in the house. And I know this from, from discussions with my friend where I talked about him buying a house for his son. We would both be co-owners. So if one of us passes away or one of us decides to move in, how do you handle that? And I think they've done it really well where they've got, they've got an agreement where they talk about, okay, um, Let's say one of them gets a boyfriend and wants to move him in. How do they handle that? And, and as they said in the article, very wise, they said, potentially the person could move in if they're a good fit. If they're not a good fit, then it's a no. Right. And, that- and, if, and if you wanted to move out, um, I believe they, you had the option to find yourself a replacement, but that replacement had to be approved by everyone in the home. Exactly. And if it was not approved, the people in the home had one year to purchase your shares out. And and that also held true if one of them unfortunately passes away and then they're, right. you know, what do you do? And, and, and the interesting thing in there too, I was reading is it's not just what they paid, they buy it for. So they said they all put in 275,000. So it's not like we all get together and come up with 275 and buy them out. No, it's market value. So it could be absolutely significantly yes. higher. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it still has to uh, hold an investment uh, for the person who passed away. They still have an estate, a family, whatever it is. So they, you know, they're still entitled to that investment. No, I, I think it's brilliant, and that's why I think the important part of doing that is really sitting down and going through the what ifs and nailing those before you hit them. Because that's that's a fast way to just ruin a relationship of any sort. And they said yeah. in there too, if, if you know, everyone has idiosyncrasies and they said, we talk about them when they happen so they don't continue to fester and then become a bigger issue. And that's probably yeah. the, the biggest demise for people that live together is someone else's idiosyncrasies becoming too much, whether it's, you know, what they choose to eat and what time they cook to who they have to visit. I think it's, yeah. And I think that these are things that you really have to figure out. You know, maybe my advice is before you buy the house, maybe go on a two week holiday with them, you know, and just see if you can stand them in your space that long. They might've been your friends forever, but you've never lived with them. <laughs> so that's true. A, a two week holiday is probably a great idea to decide, are these the people I can actually do this with? Go on a road but trip. I, it's so, so, you know, just going on the whole thing that whether it's young or old, I just threw out some numbers. So let's just say four friends got together and spent a million dollars on a place. Mm-hmm. And if they each came up with a hundred thousand dollars, that would be 40% down, right? Yep. That's 400,000. You're financing that 600. And I think I even did my financing 600 at 2.75, which is a, about what you're getting right now. We're up at that little bit. And that monthly payment is 2700 You know, divide that by four and you're at, you know, eight, $700 yep. a person. So is this affordable, you know? And people are going, well, where are you going to get the 100 Well, I know it's tough. I get it. And, and, but we know that family and, and stuff are, is helping a lot of people. But instead of taking your 100 and buying a um, $400,000 bachelor apartment... And being solely responsible for that space yourself, and that's you you alone carrying three hundred thousand. Now you have four people carrying six hundred thousand. 
Yeah, it would be like you carrying 150. I mean, it just uh, it's just a portion of it. And you're getting so much more bang for the buck because this place in, in here, like I said, it's 3,500 square feet. It's, it's a good size. Would you be able to qualify for a 3,500 square foot on your own? Yeah, no, and, and that's tougher people. And I think with the seniors, and I would say probably with the young folks too, I don't even know if they want to live alone. Like, I think one of the things that triggered these people was they didn't want to go into a senior's home. They didn't really want to live by themselves. Even with a caregiver, it wasn't their friends. Um, they still wanted that independence and, and they wanted that social uh, noise around them. So um, I thought it was brilliant. I thought I saw that when we saw the show, whatever it was, 25 years ago, I thought it was great. My girlfriends and I have always talked about, oh, one day, you know, mm. <laughs> sorry, Peter and husbands. <laughs> but um yeah, no, it's it's just it's just again more options, more options. We have to think outside the box. Just quickly going back to Halifax, you know what's really pretty amazing there is they do have condo apartments. They also have what look like semi-detached homes downtown in the older neighborhoods, the old three-story semi-detached homes that are actually mini condominiums per floor. Very cool. So they've they've taken these homes and they've turned them into twelve to thirteen hundred square foot apartments, and they're great. And you know maybe we'll see that happening in Toronto one day with all the big homes we're seeing. Yeah, well, it's funny because just rereading the last part of that order, article, um, this is an initiative by the WHO, the World Health Organization, to certify certain communities as being age friendly communities, and there's a big push towards that. Um, and, and I'm reading, and it just seems like some of the communities are hesitant to have a bunch of seniors living together, but if four frat boys wanted to buy a house, nobody would even blink an eye. So I think there's a little bit of ageism in here, and I'm hoping that's going to work its way through, because I think it is important to not have seniors living in their own rooms in a massive facility, but actually like this, co-housing, co-sharing. Absolutely. I was appalled when I actually read that section of the article. I was like, who would complain? And it's not thinking, oh, we're all a bunch of little itty bitty old people and what harm could you cause? Because I've met some pretty rowdy seniors. <laughs> um, but but I can't even believe a community would question uh, that as far as affecting their community in a negative way. I, I, I was pretty, I really hope that doesn't become an issue anywhere across our country, that this should be an alternative lifestyle option. And it's a fabulous one. Oh, I think it, it certainly is. And, you know, there's no better, uh, you know, not safety net, but there's no b- better concern or, or um, what am I looking for? I think, 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 um, <laughs> you, you worry less about your your loved one living with other people because there's always someone there to help them with the smaller things or just to keep an eye on them rather than, oh, we got to drive by mom's place today and see how she's doing. Or or she's lonely and depressed and yes. now she's got friends. I mean, that that's, I think, a big one because we know that we've got uh, seniors dealing with depression often when they're put alone. Right. So. Um, yeah, I just I everything about that article was brilliant. And um, if anyone wants to meet and talk about how they can figure something out, I'd love to get together and, and hash it out. And I know we're reaching out to one of the lawyers that we do a lot of work with to to ask him if he's ever done this and what what wording would you use? Um, of course, this would be done through a lawyer. I mean, for people buying a home, the you know, you'd probably create a little corporation of which you're all uh, directors. Absolutely, yeah. You you have right. to have it all yeah. T's crossed yes. and I's dotted. 
Yeah. So just on the affordability note, I actually just want to make a little plug for my, my board in our city, quite frankly. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but the city is talking about raising that Toronto land transfer tax again. Oh, boy. It's, it, it, it hasn't been as loud in the media as it should have been because the people need to know this is a conversation going on right now at City Hall. And the Toronto Real Estate Board is leading um, the the campaign, of course, to stop it. And, um, you know, getting extremely concerned that the people affected most are the people that we're trying to help the most get in the market. So, well, hand is trying to help the average folks get into real estate, into home ownership. The other hand um, of the animal is talking about raising these the land transfer tax. Um, so I'm asking our listeners to go to another obstacle dot C.A. OK, another another, ob- another obstacle dot C.A. And please sign the petition. Share it with your friends. Um, I've just shared it on Facebook. So if you look for me or Ross on Facebook, you'll find it there as well. And, um, yeah, we just got to, you know, I was talking to one of my clients this morning about it. And her big thing was, well, until they can show us clear-cut accounting on what they've been doing with the money since 2008. Because, remember, before January 2008, we didn't even have land transfer tax. And when land transfer tax came in, our average price in the city was $378,000. Fast forward six, seven, no, 2008, nine years. Sorry, (laughs) math is slow today. Fast forward nine years. For nine years, our prices have gone up. For nine years, the city has seen money that they never saw before. And they're talking about increasing it. And the question is, what, what, where is it? Where did it go? <laughs> What'd you do with it? You know? I think we so, need an audit. We need someone to go back and say, how much did you bring in? Um, where did it go? Um, and what are the plans for the additional funds? Because as someone who lived in Toronto, infrastructure is terrible. There are potholes. Uh, we can't fund the TTC. And I know some of that's provincial. But man, where's the money going? Yeah, it would be, it would be really awesome for the people to demand that to demand that accounting and and it would be really neat to know the exact amount that the city has collected yeah in that time period um that would take a while to figure out because of course the rates are different for different price points and stuff and then we had the first time buyer um program but that only gives a portion of it back a very small portion so yeah it's so really go to another obstacle.ca please sign your name and hopefully we can make this one stop. So what are we going to talk about next week? We're going to talk about um, the idea that people feel they need to move out of the city to afford their homes, right? We, we know that we're seeing a lot of that. What we want to do is sort of um, drill down to see what do those extra costs look like when you're spending time either in gas, wear and tear on your car. It might be even using the GO train and getting more uh, different... Um, bus passes and so on, weighing that against the reduced cost in your real estate. And just see if you're really coming out ahead. Yeah, I heard something on the radio. I'm going to have to dig that up as well, because there's uh, there's been some studies that, you know, you think you're saving, but who knows? There's a price. Mm-hmm. There's a price. And I mean, I think it's important as well that there's, there's a price aspect and then there's a lifestyle aspect. And so, you know, we'll kind of look at both of those. All right. Stay tuned. More realestatetorontoradio.com coming your way next week. Take care. We'll catch you next week.